John Roderick. We speak to you from our present, which we can only assume is your distant past, the turbulent time that was the early 21st century. Fearing the great cataclysm that will surely befall our civilization, we began this monumental reference of strange and obscure human knowledge. These recordings represent our attempt to compile and preserve wonders and esoterica that would otherwise be lost. So whether you're listening from an advanced civilization or have just reinvented the technology to decrypt our transmissions, this is our legacy to you. This is our time capsule. This is the Omnibus. have accessed entry 178.rv2013, certificate number 27174, Canadian Floating Feet. So this is a news item you may have picked up along the way. Well, I remember this, but our listeners certainly will not. Well, they don't even know what feet is. It's hard, <laughs> it's hard to know whether this is a, a phenomenon of the ancient past or whether this is a harbinger of a future where effectively the Salish Sea is, is renamed Floating Foot Sea. It's just a wash in feet. You can walk from Vancouver Island to... The Olympic Peninsula now on a... On a bed of feet. bed of feet. Uh, starting in 2007, disarticulated feet housed in tennis shoes started to float ashore. Disarticulated. That's, That's not right. a word. That's not a word I get to use much. I know. Disarticulated is a great word. And now you can employ it. I mean, I use it all the time as a metaphor for my relationships. <laughs> <laughs> I use it for my speech on the podcast. I'm, I'm very, I'm a very disarticulate young man. Does this is, are they not, uh, dismembered or whatever? Is it because they've come off at the joint? They're disarticulated? Yeah. The, uh, initially, I mean, the first foot that floated ashore seemed like, oh, sure. This is the type of thing that happened. Somebody fell off a boat, their body decayed in the sea, but because the tennis shoes are made out of buoyant material, a foot floated ashore uh, nobody like much batted an eye at it. Well, but the person who found it probably did. I think probably. I mean, but, even your most blasé Canadian is not going to be like, oh, a foot, eh? Well, I mean, I have to ask, I see tennis shoes and other flotsam on the beach. Sure. But I'm not somebody that goes over to a beach shoe and starts digging around in it. <laughs> right. If I found one, would I be, my first thought would not be, hey, how far does this thing go? <laughs> What's in this? It's like, it's like the born identity. How far does this go? Let's follow this all the way. I mean, they might have been looking for crabs or something and figured like, oh, I bet there's a big crab in this shoe. And what a horrifying thing to discover that there's a foot in there. I wonder if you still have just nightmares about it. We recently had a... Um, nuclear warning in Hawaii that turned out to be a human glitch. Right. But, you know, for a hundred thousand, hundreds of thousands of people, they thought 
the world was going to end. Sure, running around uh, like chickens with their heads cut off because... um, Probably confessing terrible things to their spouses and uh, maybe murdering the neighbor they always hated. Well, and... And and that's the kind of thing that you just must give you nightmares for, for months, I assume. You know, living in Hawaii, I question whether having a warning of a nuclear attack is really of any value. I mean, you're on an island. There's nowhere to go. Nothing you can do about it. Why even tell people that it's coming? Why not let them die blissfully unaware? Because we're not all godless atheists, John. Some, <laughs> oh. of, some of us want a few minutes to make peace with our maker. Is although, that right? Although we're immediately going to see him. So yeah, it's, right. I it's mean, like the worst the, time to get with God. Why are you talking with him then? It's like Just... texting somebody when you're on the way. I'm five minutes from your house. <laughs> uh, but but the, the shipping containers routinely fall off of big container ships in horrific Pacific storms and their content. Horrific Pacific. Horrific first, Pacific. First foot found. <laughs> Did you pre-write all of this? This is like a Coleridge poem. I don't capitalize any of the, the beginnings of my sentences either. <laughs> now we're going to just read Jabberwocky from start to finish. Uh, uh, shipping containers fall overboard and disgorge their contents. And you'll, you'll frequently find uh, in Alaska or on the Oregon coast, that tennis shoes wash ashore. It's a common thing. It'll just be 10,000 of something. 10,000 shoes. And if you're a good beachcomber, you you try and find a matching pair. Is this a thing? Sne- yeah. Sneakerheads going out there being like, I can't afford the new Jordans, <laughs> but I can look under driftwood for a couple hours. I think the Venn diagrams of sneakerheads and beachcombers <laughs> are, they don't overlap a ton. The old guy with the metal detector <laughs> does not have really, really cool Nikes. Yeah, he's not the guy that's like, these are original Jordans. Do you know the difference, by the way, between flotsam and Jetsam? Uh, enlighten me. This might be helpful to our listeners. It's, it's easy to remember. Flotsam floats. Oh. And Jetsam does not. It sinks. So you used them correctly when you said that the, the feet and the shoes are Flotsam. They are Flotsam. I guess Flotsam comes from float. I don't know what Jetsam comes from. Jeet? Is Jeet uh, the opposite of float? So Jetsam was it probably has the same root as Jettison. Oh, that's, hey, that's exactly right. Jetsam actually does come from the same root as Jettison. This was stuff that got thrown overboard willingly, and therefore there's different salvage laws. Hmm. Flotsam and jetsam are both floating, but for different reasons. There's a third word for the things that sunk. That's called lagon. Flotsam, jetsam, and lagon. Lagon, yes. And lagon is stuff that was intentionally thrown overboard and sank? No, it doesn't matter how lagon got there. I think it's it's shipwrecked, but it's as a result, it's at the bottom of the sea. Oh, so the Titanic is lagging. Uh-huh. Um, 2007 was a banner year for feet floating up on beaches of southern Pacific Canada. Four feet arrived in 2007 alone, all of them right feet. Wow. Making that- people really suspect that this was part of a thing. Well, if you do the math, the odds are one in two to the fourth. <laughs> one in 16, only whatever that is, roughly six or 7% of all the feet found being right. So it really does make you think there's some kind of serial killer at work or uh, a shipping container full of amputees or... And although this has happened before on the coast near Vancouver, the earliest example being all the way back in 1887. Oh, really? There's there's historical antecedents. Yeah, when a, a foot washed ashore in Vancouver proper, and it was it created enough sensation that they named the area Leg in Boot Square. <laughs> Canadians are a literal people. 
uh, almost as much as the Dutch. All the other places where shoes were not found are still called... <laughs> Regular square names. No leg yet. Square. <laughs> Keep checking. But it isn't very... It was not very common, at least not common enough that starting in August of 2007, you would find four right feet before the end of the year. Oh, wow. So it was all in the last few months of 2007. And what do these feet look like when they come ashore? Are they... Uh, are, are, have they become just bones? Have they been eaten away by fish? So it's just a, a tibia and a fibula sticking out of a shoe? Or is there actual gross leg stuff? Well, they are, because they're encased both in the shoe and sock, they're held somewhat together and protected against being ravaged by sea creatures. And so there often is some tissue remaining in the foot. Anything exposed is all that remains is bleached bone. The bone's just bone. But inside the shoe and sock, there might be skin, and therefore, I assume, DNA. Uh, there is DNA. And in answer to your original question, the disarticulation of the ankles and knees never showed any signs of tool mark, right? The idea that a serial killer was intentionally cutting off right feet and throwing them in the water was kind of debunked because it seemed like they had naturally separated from a body at some point. There was DNA included in the material in the shoe. And, I mean, it was identifiably a foot. There's a... Well, there's, being in a shoe probably helps. That's, uh, how, that's how I would guess that it was a foot. Well, although after this became uh, more and more of a phenomenon, and as recently as December of 2017, that was when the latest foot washed ashore. We're, yeah, we're speaking to you from the height of... Canadian foot mania. We're still in the midst of it. Uh, 14 feet have washed ashore in the area that we now describe as the Salish Sea. And are they all right feet still? There's eight right feet and five left feet, which still you, seems an, an unusual sort of distribution. You said 14. So one is some kind of middle foot? Um, 13. I'm sorry. 13. Did I say 14? Yes. Do you want to do that again or do you want to keep, this, keep this really? delightful exchange? Yeah, no, I think that this is wonderful. Uh, there are... This, make, this really humanizes you for the future. Sometimes I say 14 when I mean 13, but I'm not entirely sure. I think you're misremembering. You're just a generous man. You know, it's like a baker's baker's dozen. <laughs> it's an extra, I extra. Throw an extra on there. You are, well, you know, you are so extra, John. Pennies are worth hardly anything. <laughs> when it comes to meat, quality makes a huge difference in texture and taste. And even though it might be better for you and the environment, a lot of the higher quality meat you find at the grocery store is just too expensive for most people's budget. Thankfully, there's ButcherBox. ButcherBox believes everyone deserves access to high-quality, humanely sourced meat at an affordable price. That's why each month, ButcherBox ships a curated selection of the finest cuts right to your home. Choose from 100% grass-fed and finished beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage pork, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, and sugar and nitrate-free bacon. No antibiotics, no added hormones, just meat the way meat should be. And right now, you can get two pounds of ground beef and two packs of bacon absolutely free, plus $20 off your first box when you visit butcherbox.com slash iHeart or use the promo code iHeart at checkout. That's butcherbox.com slash iHeart or use the promo code iHeart at checkout. Uh, so and, and what's the count? Eight, you said eight to five. Eight, eight right to five left. Okay, I'm going to do a little math right now. The odds of eight right feet coming up in 13 feet 
Still not super likely, 15.7%. Right. So still in the realm of a curiosity. Enough to make you wonder what fundamentally about left feet is making them more delicious to sharks. More likely to sink. Less palatable to serial killers. Since this became a phenomenon, people have actually planted shoes filled with animal feet and raw meat on the beaches in this region, presumably not realizing that the police have forensic ability (laughs) to distinguish a paw from a foot. I feel like I do not need the Mounties to tell me the difference between a badger foot and a human. Like I could do that with my lay knowledge. Yeah. But again, I mean, and it does again suggest like not only are there people combing the beaches of this area that are willing to probe inside a shoe that they find, but also people who are sitting around like, you know what I'm going to (laughs) do? Like I've got some free time. I'm going to stuff some meat in a shoe and, and, you know, put kelp around it and like leave it on the beach just for what? Like those long gray BC winters, (laughs) you know, that you Canadians have a lot of free time indoors to think up weird ideas. Interestingly, a physical process that's part of a process of the decaying of a body that happens in particular to the faces, hands, and feet of a decaying body is a process called adipocere, which is that as the body decays, and it happens especially when the body's in water, uh, the wax, the wax of human fat secretes and forms a kind of hardened, waxy outer coating, Ah. which... Which helps also help kind preserve. Of, it helps preserve and also makes buoyant these decayed feet. It's also the worst smell at Yankee Candle. You, you don't want an adipocere flavored candle right. in your home. I mean, that is how we make candles. Again, I don't mean to have every show have a Fight Club reference, but human, you need human fat to make, you or need, you need some kind of fat to make soap. If you're going to make really good skin cream, yeah, you have you have to have. Human fat. My neighbor makes soap and he uses olive oil, which okay. I think is what you're All right. probably supposed to use if you're making vegan high-end soap. soap right? Yeah, vegan. Because <laughs> otherwise we'd all just use human fat unless we're vegan. And then you have to use the less the less good olive like oil soap. Like beaver fat soap or whatever. <laughs> I mean, I have some candles in my house that are made from Prudhoe Bay oil. Like chemical, like petro mineral oil? Yeah, they're, oh. they're black candles that are made from crude oil. I had no idea. I mean, I'm an Alaskan, so we have all kinds, all, all manner of strange things. Think of all those dinosaurs dying years ago. Just so that I can have a weird smelling candle. We killed the whales. We killed the dinosaurs. Let me ask you this. Is, is some of the flotation because today's shoes are more floaty? It is, yeah. As the technology, and I'm not entirely sure whether that technology is actually functional or how much of it is a sales pitch. I always wonder that when the, Kids on my high school basketball team were getting their new Jordans and talking about how they had another inch in their vertical now. Yeah, a layer of air, compressed air that's inside the sole of the shoe. Come on, man. Um, But that does increase their buoyancy. And actually, hilariously, Adidas, I think unaware of the kind of sympathetic pronunciation, actually has a shoe called the Adipure. Do you think Adidas and Adiposeer come from the same root? I I I don't think a hundred percent. I think Adidas is a is an acronym, right? For... Yeah, it stands for All Day I Die at Sea. <laughs> I wonder if if as Adidas realizes that and 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 the shoes that have washed ashore are not like all Adidas. Although the first one, 
was an Adidas shoe. I looked it up and it looks like maybe Nike and New Balance are leading the sweepstakes. Yeah. If corporations are looking to get make any kind of hay out of this, which I think is kind of risky in a Super Bowl ad. There are Reeboks too. Um, By the way, before you get angry letters from the future, the thing about Adidas being an acronym is not, oh. it's a common urban legend. It was actually the name of one of the founders, Adi Dassler. Oh, Adi Dassler. When your name is Adolf, uh -huh. you often go by Adi for some reason. And I should correct uh, something that I said earlier, which is uh, that the first four shoes were not found all in 2007, but but all within that winter. So all it the started same, the same start, shoe season. Yeah, it started in August of 2007, and and um, by August of 2008, in that first year, six feet were found. So that's. They call that foot season now that's in British Columbia. Pretty extraordinary. And it was... It, it was an El Nino year, you know. It's, it was a strong, it was a heavy foot season. And there was a lot of suggestion that this was the result of a plane crash where... Um, oh, they could all come from the they same... They could all come from the same location. But it wasn't true. And, and the forensic nature of the investigation, it produces some really interesting extra data. Like one of the feet was found in a shoe that was only produced or distributed in India. Oh. Uh, one of the feet was found in a shoe that was only sold between the dates of February and June of 2003. It's interesting that the shoes are easier to trace than the feet. Yeah. Because uh, I guess, we, you, know, we, you know, you put your fingerprints down when you get ID, but nobody puts their toes up on the... Well, and, and the police have made this suggestion. That there uh, should be toe prints in Canada? Well, no, that, that uh, <laughs> when a missing persons case is filed, that you include the shoe size. Ah. Because uh, as investigations proceeded, they did discover that they could identify, they could connect some of the feet to missing people. Who were they? Um, in a couple of cases, people that were known to have committed suicide off of a bridge in Vancouver. And two of the shoes belonged to the same woman. And they were found pretty close in location and time, which in itself is pretty, um, pretty unusual that both feet would survive and that they would both be discovered in a, a compressed time frame. Well, I, th I think about, um, from what I've read about that swirling patch of garbage in the Pacific, you know what I'm talking the about? The gyre. The, the, yeah, sure. The trash gyre. Yeah. <laughs> As we call it. <laughs> huh? Are we saying gyre or gyre? Hmm. I think it might be like gif and jif. I, I always say gyre because it's a much, much more pleasant word than gyre. But do you say gyroscope? No. I don't know. Do you say auto gyro? No, but I, I really think if people pronounce it gyre, then I feel like they should go back to uh, Gordga, where they come from. <laughs> you do say GIF and I say JIF. So yeah, and it, it I, stands to reason that you would say Gyre and I would say Gyre. And I, the GIF-JIF argument probably continues all the way into the distant, distant future. They've probably settled it. They've, you think so? Yeah, I, I feel like we're talking to advanced people who have all come together as a race and decided to say correctly, Jeff. GIF. <laughs> uh, so what I'm saying about the Gyre, or possibly Gyre, mm -hmm. is that this is garbage that comes from all over, but something about tides and currents tends to make stuff converge and stay. Uh, so I, I assume there may be something is about the geography of the Salish Sea, of the currents and tides off of British Columbia, that tends to push flotsam from a, a broad range of the ocean into a, a small number of beaches. So maybe? we should we should describe the Salish Sea. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is. The geographical 
uh, denotation Salish Sea is fairly recent. It was only proposed the multiple bodies of water that had prior names, which include the Strait of Georgia, which goes up the uh, eastern side of of Vancouver Island. That's between BC and Vancouver. The Strait of Juan de Fuca, which goes between Washington State and Canada. And Puget Sound, which is the area around Seattle and Tacoma. Are you telling me Puget Sound is part of the Salish Sea? Yes. The Salish Sea was only proposed as a new name for this entire region of interconnected bodies of water in 1988. Wow. And was gradually accepted in Canada and in the United States. I think initially in Canada, it was thought to just refer to the Strait of Juan de Fuca and the Georgia Strait and all the associated sort of little inlets and bodies of water. And then the United States said, well, now, wait a minute, uh, Puget Sound is also included in this because Strait of Juan de Fuca feeds both Sure. Hydrologically, it's the same thing. And so gradually, uh, you know, committees on both sides of the border came to an agreement about what constituted this, and now it's called the Salish Sea. It's a great name. It's uh, it's indigenous, I think. The Salish people lived here. It is, although other tribes, other regional tribes, of course, protest it being called the Salish Are Sea. Are they mad? Uh, because there's some argument to whether or not there is a cohesive Salish identity, uh, whether that's a description of the Snohomish and the Skykomish and the... And the Duwamish. You want to give it a name that sums up the whole identity of of all these Northwestern tribes. Right. It should probably be the Sasquatch Sea. They all believe in Sasquatch, right? Sure. Well, who in this area doesn't (laughs) believe in Sasquatch? The one thing all good-hearted people have in common is they believe in Sasquatch. Or, as I pronounce it, Sasquatch. Oh, do you say Sasquatch? I do say Sasquatch. I say Sasquatch. I get a lot of (laughs) flack for saying Sasquatch. I got kicked out of the music festival once for saying (laughs) Sasquatch. I'm going to kick you out of this studio. No, thing. Nobody would tell Sasquatch. me where TV on the radio is playing unless I said it wrong. <laughs> Have you always wanted to learn to play an instrument? Maybe you've even tried at some point, but gave up because you felt lessons were too expensive or that you just didn't have the time. Thankfully, there's Musician. Musician is the fun, easy, and affordable way to learn guitar, piano, bass, ukulele, and even singing. Just download the app to your desktop, tablet, or phone and start playing. Musician gives you 24-7 access to a vast catalog of video lessons from professionally trained educators, as well as thousands of exercises and songs across dozens of music genres, all tailored to your goals. And with Musician's award-winning technology that listens to you play, you'll get real-time feedback on timing and accuracy so you can actually see yourself improving as you learn. Start your extended 14-day free trial of Musician's Premium Plus package at musician.com start. That's unlimited access to thousands of lessons, exercises, and songs on as many instruments as you want for two whole weeks. Just go to musician.com slash start. That's Y-O-U-S-I-C-I-A-N dot com slash start. Uh, uh, but the police over time have ruled out foul play. In all these, in all the defootings, in all, all the disarticulations. They can find no evidence of foul, foul play. It and could just be a very clever killer. The suggestion is that people are just falling off of boats and, and oh, and, and in answer to your question, the prevailing winds in the Salish Sea blow from west to east. So everything that's kind of floating out in the Pacific does have the potential to kind of be blown and tidally conveyed up the Strait of Juan de Fuca into this kind of aqua system 
And once it's sort of trapped up in there, it's presumably going to end up on a beach at some point because we also have pretty high king tides, which are... What are king tides? King tides are periodic tides that are much, much higher than your normal high tide ah. that deposit things way, way up on the beach and flood the basement of your beach house and, and generally like put those Air Jordans way up there where even the least intrepid sneakerhead can try and find two size eights. The fact that some of the sneakers are from India does suggest that possibly these have taken a long journey to be there. I feel like I remember people speculating that it could be related to, you know, a Japanese tsunami, for example. Right. That, uh, that these could are not local shoes. Later shoes, it was suggested, uh, floated across the entire Pacific as a result of those tsunamis. It's like a message in a bottle. Except the, except the message you're sending is, all of me but my left foot got et. <laughs> it's, a, uh, it's kind of a tacit message. A couple of the feet do not meet the same standard. <laughs> they do not meet your high, your, your lofty standards. Well, for... one of them, and, and, and again, like you can't rule out foul play entirely because one of the feet was found under the Ship Canal Bridge in Seattle wrapped in a black plastic bag. So that does suggest there was something else going on. That doesn't look great. It doesn't seem like something the ocean would do on its own. Or any ocean creature. Right. And there was a foot found where it finally was identified as someone who had gone missing in 1987. Well. So there, it is possible. And that, that foot was found in the, in 2012. So. It, well, what is this possible malefactor doing with the other body parts? He's like, well, the feet go in the water, of course, but I'm putting the skulls in my garden. You could question that the police have said, remain calm, remain calm. There's nothing going on here. Uh, but, you know, they're the only ones that have all the information. It could be that there are human teeth marks in all of these feet and the police just aren't revealing it. I don't believe the Canadian police would cover this up. Like if there's any kind of person on this earth, I believe to be a, you know, a really upstanding police force. Person. It's the Mounties. It would be a Mountie. Yeah. I, although they're the, above reproach, you know, Van or uh, British Columbia famously had that pair of brothers who were extremely efficient serial killers who ran a pig farm and fed their victims to their pigs and then sold the ham in Vancouver to make the Canadian signature back bacon. And the Mounties visited their farm multiple times, failing to notice a pile of left shoes. <laughs> that presumably was stacked out back of the outhouse. Is there a thing where, uh, you know, now that this has become a phenomenon that people know about, there's, you know, it's feeding on itself. There's either more visibility to the discoveries and, or I guess you can't say there's more people arranging to uh, have their feet found. Well, by the 13th foot, Every subsequent foot, I can only assume, will also be in the newspaper because it, it keeps being a weird thing. Like, the Salish Sea is not the only inlet of its kind, but there have not been 14 or 13 feet found in the San Francisco Bay Area. I mean, we have an enormous coastline here. It doesn't happen in Europe or Asia. I mean, you would think if there were another example of 13 feet washing up in such a small geographical area that someone would have said, well, you know, this isn't that weird. Quit writing newspaper articles about it because it happened in Subic Bay or something. They did shoot, uh, they did shoot a lot of X-Files in Vancouver, right? 
Maybe that's mm-hmm. because they know something we don't about the kind of uh, eldritch, uh, evil occult forces that control the Salish Sea. The truth is out there. Uh, the latest foot found actually had the leg bones attached. It had disarticulated at the knee. So oh, when- is, it, is it usually at the ankle? So it's usually- yeah, it's usually just a foot mm. stuffed with uh, a well, it's a shoe stuffed with a foot. But sometimes you do get the entire leg, which I think if I were beachcombing and saw a shoe with a leg sticking out, I would call the police. I would call a Mountie for sure. Yeah, you wouldn't have to. I mean, if your dog came running back holding that, you'd be like, hmm, maybe I should call the police. It is an unsolved mystery, and it's almost a statistical mystery. Like, each individual foot has a plausible explanation or could be, I mean, some of them have been connected to real people. Sure. Uh, suicide on a bridge or. Right. Or someone lost in the woods and the, the remaining ones, I mean, there's not any one of them that suggests foul play, but as you've pointed out, the chances of this happening are so infinitesimally small that the mystery becomes one of unlikeliness as much as it is one that suggests the unexplained. And often these things turn out to be illusory. You know, the Bermuda Triangle really never had a statistically weird number of disappearances and, you know, relative to other parts of the mid-Atlantic. But that is not the case here, because as you've said, there is no other foot central besides Vancouver. What's going on up there? Foot central. (laughs) (laughs) A destination for left feet. Are, are, you know, are you telling us this story because you have something to confess? Are you, in fact, the left foot disarticulator, John? Do you want to tell the future? I, I, I do feel like it... Keep it, in mind that by the time this is found, the statute of limitations will have expired. It dangerously suggests copycats. I mm. mean, the fact that people are willing to stuff raw meat into a shoe to see it on the front page of the newspaper the following day suggests that... There's a smaller number of people that will stuff actual victims into a shoe to get the same headline. Yeah, or think of a diabolical crime that produces this kind of mystery. That's what's so intriguing about it, is that even I, who believe generally the police, well, wait a minute, I don't want to go that far. <laughs> but you do want to read all the files. You want, to, you want to see for sure, like, is there no connection between these things? And to set up a mystery like that, I think would appeal to a certain kind of master criminal. So it is you, is what you're saying. I mean, I'm saying it appeals to me. I'm not not saying it. (laughs) uh, We're also living in a boom time of true crime stories of this sort. I mean, we're leaving these recordings for the future, but every recording that's not is all about grisly serial killers and whatnot. And it makes me wonder if that's an effect we're going to see, you know, if, if people become more and more interested in the specific mechanics and mysteries of specific killers and sprees. Well, and, and is it so much feed of, on itself and create a, you know, that economy only exists if there's a certain number of new serial killers every year. But you do wonder uh, things that seem so unlikely as to be evidence of a connection. This is an example, at least looking at the evidence as found, where if it weren't a case where the ocean was involved as a randomizing factor, I mean, this could be... If you're finding 13 feet in alleys in Portland. Right. How much less likely would it be to be caused by the weather? But there probably are a lot of things that we take as connected in our own understanding of 
not just crime, but of the of conspiracy of exactly of the way things are are perceived to be connected. The to, things we think are patterns. Sure, the the three hobos that were that uh, coincidentally included Woody Harrison's father. Is this Dealey Plaza? Yeah. Is this a Kennedy assassination yeah. thing? Yeah, yeah. Woody Harrelson's father killed Kennedy? Woody Harrelson's father was uh, resembled, highly resembled one of the three tramps that were picked up in a rail yard close by Dealey Plaza. And Woody Harrelson's father was an indigent. We should probably make clear at this point that you are not confessing to the Salish Chief foot murders. And also, we do not believe Woody Harrelson is a suspect. Or Ted Cruz's father, as suggested by presidential candidate uh, Donald Trump. He did not, I don't think, have a role in the Kennedy assassination. But probably the feet you think he might have something to do with? I'm going to leave the feet. I'm going to suggest that the feet are truly uh, a coincidence. I like the feet better as a mystery. I kind of hope we never know. And that concludes Canadian Floating Feet, entry 178.RV2013, certificate number 27174, in the omnibus. If, listener, you happen to live in an era where social media still exists, and there are archives of it from the distant past, our archives will be found at Omnibus Project on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, John was at John Roderick at Twitter. I was at Ken Jennings. John also maintained an Instagram account under his name. We had an email address, a popular form of written electronic communication in our era. That was omnibusproject at howstuffworks.com. Listeners, from our vantage point in your distant past, we have no way of knowing if you are the descendants of disarticulated feet that washed up in the Salish Sea. We hope and pray that this catastrophe that we so often refer to never comes. But if the worst comes soon, this last floating record may be our final word. But if Providence allows, we hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the Omnibus.